Good morning. These little boots, this is what he's talking about. This is kind of an example. You can grab a bunch of these and hand them out to neighbors and uh, coworkers. Um, it's a little busy on the back because it has the dates for every city. Uh, El Paso is one stop of many. And so before you hand them out, you might take a little time to get a magic marker and circle the March 3rd El Paso date. So grab those, circle your date, and pass them out. And if we run out of them this Sunday, including the yard signs, we'll get a lot more. And so you can be picking those up every Sunday till the next, uh, till the actual event on March 3rd. So, all right, let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for this moment, this service, this time, this day. I pray, Lord, that you would speak in a, in a marvelous way to each one of our hearts. Pray that we'd be attentive to what you would want to say, how you want to encourage us and strengthen us this morning. Bless our time together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So on Sunday mornings, we've been looking through the scriptures and finding these but God moments. And we're discovering all these places in scripture where God intervenes. A situation can be so dark, so dismal, so difficult. But God intervenes and changes the whole perspective. So we're looking at different places in the scripture where we find that wonderful statement. And this morning, I want you to just consider one short verse out of Psalm 34, verse 19. And I'm going to put that up on the screen for you this morning, and I'm going to do it in two stages. First, the first sentence. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. Isn't that a beautiful song? Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Now, who is this verse talking about? What type of person is in mind in this verse? Well, the righteous. A verse is talking about the righteous. Righteousness is a very important concept in the Bible. Righteousness means measuring up to a standard. In the Bible, uh, to be righteous means you measure up perfectly to God's standards. For your life. And if you do that, then righteous means you're in right standing with God. So the righteous is a way of speaking about God's people. In the Old Testament, you were righteous if you kept the Old Testament law, and of course nobody could do that perfectly, so you went through the sacrifices to find atonement for that. But the righteous of the Old Testament. We're God's people under the law. Here in the church age, as Christians, we know that we cannot be righteous. We can't live perfectly as God 
commands. And our sin separates us from God, so God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins and rise again and make it possible for us to be forgiven. And when you put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, all of your sins are forgiven and you're justified, which is a fancy theological term that means you are declared righteous. And because of your faith in Jesus Christ, you're in right standing with God. You become one of his people. And you become born again. And hopefully as a Christian, you'll want to spend the rest of your life obeying him. And pleasing the Lord. And seeking him. So you could think of the righteous then as the Christians. The good guys. The people that are trying. The people that are committed to the Lord, the people that are seeking the Lord, the people that are seeking to be a good witness for him, the righteous. Now, you might think that the righteous would be guaranteed then a trouble-free life. Is that what you would think? You would think, hey, I'm, I'm one of the righteous ones. I'm doing my best. I'm trying to obey God. I should be trouble-free. But is that what this verse says? It does not. It says, how many? Many. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. And that word affliction, that's not a pleasant word. That speaks of misery. Injury. Pain. Distress. Suffering. Trial, tribulation, hardship, attack. Affliction is guaranteed for the righteous. And not just one affliction, how many? Afflictions, plural. And that word, many, many afflictions for the righteous are guaranteed in this life. Christian, in the course of your life, you will undergo tough times. And I'm thankful that the Bible is straight up on that. We're told that here. We're told it throughout the scripture. Paul says, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Jesus told us, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace, In the world you will have what? Tribulation. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. In Acts chapter 14, Paul's finishing up his first missionary journey and he speaks to the people that he's um, ministered to. When they had preached the gospel to the city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. And then in James chapter 1, James says, not if, but 
when you fall into various trials. And that word various, it's, 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 it's multicolored. It's multidimensional. In other words, trials come in many shapes and sizes and colors. There's one for every one of us. They come on every front. They come in kids' portion. They come medium-sized. They come super-sized. They come internally. They come externally. Sometimes you're going through life and you experience one giant trial. Other times in life, you're going to experience a whole bunch of different trials at the same time time. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. In other words, life is hard for the righteous. Life can be seen as a series of trials that we go through. And the scripture bears that out. From Adam to Noah, to Job, to Abraham, to Joseph, to Moses, to Joshua, to Ruth, to Esther, Daniel, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Peter, James, John, Paul the Apostle. Everyone goes through hardship. Oh, and by the way, don't forget about Jesus, the Son of God. Nobody experienced greater pain and suffering and heartache on earth in a fallen world than Jesus. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Now, where do these afflictions come from? Well, I think of a lot of afflictions just come from the fact that we live in a fallen world. We don't live in the Garden of Eden, right? And we don't live in heaven yet. We live in a fallen world, and we have fallen Bodies In a fallen world, there is sickness and death. Our bodies get sick. We die. Loved ones die. Accidents happen in a fallen world. There are natural disasters in a fallen world. Hurricanes, earthquakes, famines, tornadoes, fires, plagues. In a fallen world, there's crime. In a fallen world, you can experience financial hardship. You can get ripped off. The economy can take a turn. You can get in a lot of trouble on planet Earth just walking around and breathing air. Have you noticed that? (laughs) Job, one of the most righteous men who ever lived, who also experienced more pain than a lot, said, man is born to trouble as the sparks fly up. Now, you're a Christian. You're not immune from that. You're not immune from the effects of living in a fallen world. We experience those things. Then, even as Christians, I think we can experience more affliction. Because the Bible teaches that the world persecutes Christians. The world will persecute God's people. Jesus gave us the heads up on that as well. He said to his disciples, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. 
If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. And Jesus even got more specific with his disciples later in the upper room. He says, these things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. And these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father. So if you're a born-again Christian, if you're really serving the Lord, going for it, you will be a target. You have an enemy, Satan, who wants to neutralize you. The world system doesn't like you. And so there'll be all kinds of different persecutions against you. Perhaps your boss at work gives you a hard time and fails to promote you because of your strong Christian stance. That happens. Your professor gives you a poor grade on a paper because of its Christian content. That happens. Friends disown you, mock you, slander you because of your Christian life. Folks, there has been serious persecution of Christians throughout church history. Christians beaten, put in prison, tortured, martyred, horrendous things. And serious trials like that are being experienced today by your brothers and sisters in Christ all over planet Earth in different spots. Many are the afflictions. So you got the fallen world. You got being targeted for being a Christian. You could argue at the end of the day that the righteous experience more hardship than the wicked. And then let's not forget what I would call self-inflicted afflictions. When you gave your life to Jesus Christ, you became born again and you were given a brand new nature. But you still have the old nature. And there's a struggle and there's a fight. There's a fight between that part of you that wants to do what's pleasing to God and that part of you that wants to do what's not pleasing to God. And that is a struggle that will take place in the life of every Christian until heaven. And there are times when even born again Christians make terrible decisions. They do things that they should not do. And there can be severe consequences for that. Galatians 6 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. So if you're a born-again Christian, but you decide that you're going to go out and get drunk and drive, something really bad can happen. One author said, if we abuse our bodies, our health will deteriorate and we may very well put ourselves in an early grave. If we abuse those around us, our relationships are going to deteriorate. If we fail to feed and nurture ourselves spiritually, our walk with God is going to deteriorate. So there are consequences that you can bring upon yourself. Hopefully, as Christians, we'll limit that. Amen? That we'll serve the Lord. We'll do those things that we know we should be doing. We will stay away from those things that we should stay away from. 
But I throw that in there because think of all the afflictions that we face in this life. The fallen world from the world. You can even be your worst enemy. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord. Amen. But the Lord. But the Lord is present. But the Lord is involved. If you're part of the righteous, please understand. The Lord is present. The Lord is involved in your life. And, and, and don't you ever forget how blessed you are to have God himself in your life. You're a born-again Christian. You are a child in the family of God. You are a citizen of his kingdom. You are one of his people. And he's with you. And he never leaves you or forsakes you. Because, listen very clearly, life is hard for everyone. You could also say many are the afflictions of the wicked. They live in a fallen world. They experience all kinds of heartache, don't they? The wicked experience hardship and terrible consequences from wicked choices and wicked behavior. You know, you may look at some of the more famous wicked people, the anti-God people, and you might think they're so rich they have it so good. No, they don't. There's trials that they're going through. You know, in in a wicked fallen world, the wicked and unrighteous will even oftentimes turn on each other. They're experiencing all kinds of afflictions as well. Life is a series of afflictions for everyone. But here's the difference, and it's a big difference. Only the believer has direct access to the problem solver. You've got Jesus. He's a part of your life. And what a joy to be able to turn to him and cry out to him and find strength. In him. Now let's look at this promise. The Lord delivers him out of them all. Now, how are we supposed to understand that? Don't you dare turn this verse into a promise that you are guaranteed an affliction free life. You're not. It says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous. The Lord delivers him not from the afflictions, but out of them. The idea is you go in to all these afflictions in this life, but he takes you out of them. He gets you through them. Sometimes it happens immediately. Sometimes it's a long process. But he's with you. And he'll take you through. 
reading Psalm 34, verse 19. Psalm 34 was written by David, King David. David was an amazing man of God, a man after God's own heart. God used him in mighty ways. Our women's ministry is studying the life of David right now. What a wonderful life to study. Did he have a pain-free life? No. In fact, if you study the life of David, you'll see that it's a series of trials. Challenges. One after another. It starts when he's a teenager. He's the youngest of eight uh, sons to Jesse. And remember, the older brothers didn't think anything of David. Jesse didn't think much of David either. When Saul comes looking for the next king of Israel to anoint, David isn't even invited to the party. That was tough. He went out and he was, you know, assigned to take care of the sheep. So think of a little teenage boy out there in the middle of nowhere taking care of sheep. And think of the fights. Think of the the challenges, the afflictions he faced. We know... He had challenges. Did you know in a fallen world, bears and lions love to eat sheep? And many of them came. And David had to protect his sheep. And by the way, in those early days, that's where he became real deadly with what? A sling. Would that come in handy for later days? Absolutely. Now, you remember the story. He eventually is the one who takes that sling and takes out Goliath. And he becomes popular. So popular that King Saul gets jealous. And so you study the life of David. King Saul, on two different occasions, tries to murder David. So David has to flee. Eventually, Saul and his entire army are looking for David. David is on the run for 10 years. 10 years, David lived as a homeless man in caves, fearing for his life. Look what we're told in 1 Samuel 23. And David stayed in strongholds in the wilderness and remained in the mountains in the wilderness of Ziph, Saul sought him every day, but God did not deliver him into his hand. So God did not, God delivered him out of all that, but it wasn't overnight. It took how long? 10 years. Day by day, God delivered him. David eventually lost his best friend, Jonathan, to death. That was tough. He lost his mentor, Samuel the prophet, to death. That was tough. Saul eventually dies. David is anointed the king of Judah, only one of the 12 tribes. Saul's uh, military commander installs his guy over the other 11 tribes, And so for the next seven years of his life, David is involved in a civil war. 
battle after battle, fight after fight, blood shed. Eventually, he becomes the king of the united nation of Israel. All 12 tribes moves the capital to Jerusalem. Does that end all of his challenges? No, he'll be in battles for the rest of his life. One fight after another. You know, David is an awesome guy, but he was also called a man of blood, which was why he was not permitted to build the temple. Now, he had a tough life. He faced all the challenges that you and I face in a fallen world. He faced all the challenges that you and I face of people persecuting you because you're one of God's people. And unfortunately, David also experienced the affliction of making a very dumb choice in life. And you probably remember this story. Adultery with Bathsheba. Having Bathsheba's husband essentially killed on the front lines of battle. He blew it. And God disciplined David in a big time way. David repented. He returned to the Lord. He was able to continue, but boy, were there consequences in his life. The end of his life, his own son betrays him, tries to take over the kingdom. He has a public fight with his son. Through all of that, he gets his kingdom back, but his son dies. Oh, there were all these tough things, just one after another for David. But this is the man who writes, the Lord delivers him out of them all. I got through them. God is with us. God takes us through. And you can trust him. Now, I want you to just think about your own life here this morning as a Christian. Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, and I want you to look back into your past. Did you ever walk through any tough times? Sometimes we can identify seasons in the past by tough times, right? Oh, that was the year I lost my job. That was the year I had to deal with this sickness. That was the year this was going on. And there are times where you go through these big time trials in the past. And maybe you have. But here you are. You're here. Did God get you here? You're going through a big trial right now. Is God going to get you through it? There are going to be future trials. God will get you through it. And not only will God deliver you out of them all, he will use these hard times in your life, these trials, to make you better, to make you stronger. I mentioned that verse out of James chapter 1, when you fall into various trials. Now, I just took a little phrase out of that. You really need to see the rest of this. My brethren... Count it all joy 
when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Now, can you, can, how many of you count it all joy? The other translation could be, count yourself supremely happy. Now, what is that? Does that mean that we're supposed to be grateful every time we experience pain? Do we laugh hysterically when we hit our thumbs with a hammer? Oh, that was so good. Let's do it again. Of course not. That's sickness. But we can count it all joy that God takes those hard times. And he weaves them together. And he makes us stronger. He makes us more fruitful. Look at, the, look at the process. The testing of your faith will produce patience. And that patience, having its perfect work, you'll become perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Very important word. Count it. Very serious word in the Greek. Calculate. Come to a firm conviction about. God is using these things in my life. He's going to get me through and he's going to make me stronger. If God is your father, if you are one of the righteous ones, not one trial will be wasted. He's going to make you better. Now, I I know as Christians, we don't even like to think about it. Well, I'm sorry, though. That's the way it is in a fallen world. Even people who live, fallen people who are not yet saved, recognize that anything that's successful requires hard work. The big game this afternoon. Those guys that are starting this afternoon. Was that handed to them? Was it? Those guys have been through everything. Those guys have been through injuries. Those guys have been through training. Those guys have been through things like you can't even imagine to get there. And in this world, we applaud. Look how hard they worked. Look at all the sacrifice. But in the church, we don't want that. Not in our lives as men and women of faith, no. Doctors. Do you just get to be a doctor because you want to be? Can I just go to the hospital and say, hey, I'd like to be a doctor? I hope not. You don't want to be my patient then, right? (laughs) Doctors sacrifice. They go through years and years and years of education and training. And in a competitive environment, have to pass classes that others can't. There are hurdles that you have to jump through in life to be successful. And everyone in this world acknowledges that and applauds that. God uses hard things in your life to make you stronger for him. To make you more fruitful and effective for him in this life. God doesn't just deliver us. He makes us stronger. And when this life is over, there's going to be an ultimate deliverance. Amen? 
when we say our last, when we breathe our last, the ultimate deliverance happens as God brings you home. One of my favorite verses in all of scripture. Paul, who saw lots of suffering in his life, writes, Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Look at that. Every affliction here, as hard as they can be, and I'm not saying they're not, is working for you a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. The righteous have afflictions in this world, but please remember that the afflictions that we suffer are confined confined to this world. Only. We have the assurance of complete and final deliverance from afflictions through the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Because he has risen from the dead, we too shall rise someday, forever free from sin, sickness, sorrow, suffering, death, all affliction. The Lord will deliver us. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. If you are one of God's people, he's with you through everything. He makes it better, and at death, you go into the place where there's no more affliction. Isn't that beautiful? Now, I know I've talked a lot about afflictions this morning, because that's what the text says. But can I also add that many are the joys of the righteous? And that there are many blessings of the righteous. God takes such good care of us here. Yeah, we go through some tough seasons, but have you ever been through a good season? Have you seen God deliver you in certain ways? I think of all the beautiful things that we experience as Christians. Having his presence in his life. The way he might bless us with a marriage, a child, a brand new job. See, if God is your God, he's there in all the good times and the bad. How blessed we are. Are you one of the righteous? Are you one of God's children? Have you received him? Let's all bow our heads and let's close our eyes. Let's commit what we've seen this morning to the Lord. (laughs) Father, I pray that you would um, just greatly encourage your people this morning. Especially those who are right in the middle of an affliction, for whatever reason that might be. Those who are going through a hard time... Lift up their spirits, Lord. Let them see you're there. You're with them. There's a plan. There's a purpose. Because, Lord, we acknowledge that those hard times, they do. They hurt. They are hard. Sometimes they're so unexpected. 
but we're going to trust you through them. We're not going to run from you. We're going to run to you. So I pray that you would just lift up the spirits of my brothers and sisters who are going through hard times right now. Strengthen them. Father, I'd also like to pray for those of us here this morning who are in a good season. Things are good. Lord, we recognize those can be dangerous times because we'll take our eyes off you. I pray that we'd never take our eyes off you. We'd acknowledge you as the source of all blessings. We'd seek your face just as strong in the good times as we do in the bad times. Now, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, very, very important moment here. Are you one of the righteous? Are you one of God's people? Do you belong to him? Is God your father? Please understand, the Bible teaches that does not happen automatically. It doesn't happen by default. Our sin separates us from God. And we need to have our sins forgiven. And washed away. And God in his great love sent his son to die on the cross for you and rise again. And if you put your faith and trust in him, then you become righteous. And then you become his child. Have you done that? Have you received him? You have an opportunity right now this very moment if that's you I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now and you just pray it in the quietness of your heart to the Lord say Lord Jesus I want to be one of your righteous I want my sins forgiven and washed away they are many I'm broken I'm lost without you So I cry out to you now by faith, save me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Paying the price for my sins. Be my Lord, be my Savior, walk with me. And help me to walk with you every day I have breath. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's stand.